Well, good morning, everybody. <clears throat> Are there any uh, words of encouragement out there that need to be read this morning? I don't have any here, so if there are, that'd be great. And if not, that's good too. So let me get wired up here. I've really endeavored to search the scriptures to find out where Jesus was getting wired up, and I just can't find it anywhere. You know, it's, you always want. Do you want? Do you wonder if Jesus would have used email and uh, Skype and you know go to meeting and all that stuff when he if he were here? Do you think he would? Yeah, I think he would. Serious, he would. I mean, if you're a Christian, you're using that. Jesus is using it, isn't he? All right, so we got one word of encouragement for Jeff Drillinger. Thank you for your example of steadfastness, even while you are suffering so much physically. Thank you for stepping up uh, with your needed, with stepping up with, what is it? When, okay, thank you, when needed. Thank you for your Bible class lessons. And I said amen to that one. That was a great series. Give it up. Yeah, I was sniveling there for a while about my hand being numb if I sleep wrong. And uh, man, I'll tell you what, brother, I appreciate that steadfastness, even in the pain that you're going through. It's, it's really amazing. So uh, let's go through some announcements real quickly. Evening assembly will not be at the Compton Homestead tonight. It will be at the Alvador uh, Christian Church. Uh, Mr. Kirk Parks, uh, soon-to-be uh, preacher there, is uh, starting up the Fifth Sunday Rally. And so the Fifth Sunday Rally is something that happened many years ago in the Churches of Christ and Christian churches in the local area. And every Fifth Sunday... They, all the churches would get together and they would uh, have Lord's Supper together and they would sing and, and there was usually a, a short little uh, sermonette. I don't know what it's going to look like tonight. Uh, Kirk grew up doing that kind of thing. Uh, when Kirk was a young man growing up in the church, I was a heathen growing up in the world. So I, I'm really not familiar with the Fifth Sunday Rally, so I'm kind of excited to show up and see what it looks like. If you're going tonight, uh, I think it's, it's been requested of me to announce if you could bring some finger food. Uh, the ladies there are going to be some bring, bringing some finger food. So if you're going out there to Alvador tonight, that would be great if you do that. Uh, Monday evening, college age is canceled for tomorrow night only. We're moving it to Tuesday night, 6.30, right here. We're going to have a little bit of eats, and then we're going to actually set up all the heavy-duty display stuff that goes on for the Pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar and sings how my body is becoming more frail, a.k.a. I'm lifting things I shouldn't be lifting and hurting myself. Uh, it's great for the young people to come because they have not damaged their bodies like us old duffers. So, uh, 6.30, we'll be here eating, and then we're going to set up the, the heavy, heavy uh, display stands and things like that. By the way... Uh, Logan and I are going to be putting up the big big banners out in the front for this week. And Mrs. Compton told me that she's going to pick up all these chairs and stack them and put them in that classroom all by herself. Man, not only is she cute, but she is one. Woo! So if there's anybody who'd like to remain after a little bit longer and help her, 
Really? <laughs> that would be fantastic. If you stack the chairs in stacks of four, we'll get the hand truck out and we'll wheel them back. Yes, Mrs. Compton. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, bowling night. That's one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> moving on, moving on. Okay. <laughs> hey, did you know that daylight savings time is happening this week? Yeah, already. And, and I love the fall because you get to fall back. That means you get an extra hour of whatever, you know? And those government officials are trying to take that away. I don't know about you, but I like falling back. Not so much springing forward, but falling back is really cool. Are we going back to standard? Yeah, we're, yeah, we're ending. We're ending, yes. Ending uh, daylight savings time. But also, too, there's some other changes coming. Uh, I'm going to send an email out. I know some don't ch check their email, so I'll send a text out for you to check your email. <laughs> I'm not being mean when I say that, honestly. I don't check my email very often either, you know. So don't confirm that, honey. Don't send emails to me. Text me. Don't messenger me. Text me, okay? Just call me. Come over and shake my cage. Uh, anyway, so Bible class next Sunday is going to start at 10 o'clock. I'm letting you sleep in a little bit longer. 10 o'clock. And Bible class will be a skosh short than what it has been before. We're going to end at 10.50, 10.50. And then we'll have some social time. And then Sunday morning at 11, we will start uh, morning assembly. And we'll get out by 12.30. Have you ever heard the, ever, ever heard the statement is, uh, don't promise much, but deliver more? Isn't there an old statement like that? Well, I'll tell you, I'm going to try to deliver more by getting done sooner. But 12.30 is supposedly the new time, so 11 to 12.30. Evening assembly. Uh, we're, we're going to change things up there, too. I don't know about you, but I'm the preacher, and I get confused. Okay, so do we get together on 7 o'clock on Sunday night, or is it Wednesday night, or is it vice versa? I don't know. I don't know if you ever had that problem, and maybe it's old age, I don't know. Wednesday evening, Sunday evening, 6.30. 6.30. So I got to remember 6.30, all right? 6.30 for Tuesday night, college age here. 6.30 Wednesday night, 6.30 on Sunday night. So, But tonight, out at uh, Alvador at 6 o'clock. All right, any questions? Yes. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. You know, there's there's pictures of people uh, out there where family members are missing because they weren't around back then. All right. Well, they're, you know, just so you might want to get some uh, some pictures updated. That'd be great. I looked at mine. I'm still bald. Don't need to be updated. My sons are all about the right age, so we're all good. So uh, let's see. Anything else? We are going to sing... But the, the birthday children, Clayton, he's a young man of 64, and uh, Max, Max is not huge, he's playing a, a championship baseball game right now. So we're going to sing to them next week. All right. So, is it soccer? Okay, there you go.
Any others? Oh, Jeff Trillinger, do you want me to step down and you step up? Okay, come on up. Jeff's got an announcement or something. Who's coming up? Your wife. My wife's coming up? The other half. Oh, I thought Rick, I thought you pointed at Rick. Mm, no, I was getting a bug off his back. Oh. <laughs> oh, by the way, by the way, real quick about the bugs. They don't, you're supposed to come up here. I was told it's a trap. <laughs> okay, come on up here. He wants to be in the trap. For every action, there's an opposite and equal or greater. Okay, yeah, hurry, quick, so, honey, hurry. <laughs> so, the bugs don't bite, by the way. They might scare you, but they don't bite. <laughs> All right. So uh, I want to read something. I was talking to uh, a young lady here before assembly started. <clears throat> we were talking about appreciation when it supposedly started a date, like 1992 or something. But if you go to First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, <laughs> I think it started a long time ago. <laughs> Verse 12. But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Well, the church is uh, here really does <clears throat> appreciate uh, your labor and your labor of love, and that we definitely highly esteem you all. And supposedly there's this pastor thing, but we're not going to use pastor. We're going to use evangelist or preacher appreciation. Amen. Amen. But uh, in reality, we appreciate you guys all the time, and we know that it's a team effort. So anyway, some folks have uh, definitely in the body put some things together, and there's some definite servants out there that really uh, help the rest of us who aren't as good at these sort of fancy little things, but everybody uh, came in and we just wanted to let you know that thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And so Sharon will be preaching the sermon this morning. <laughs> Hang on, folks. Hang on. Oh my goodness. That would be wild. Okay. Have you ever heard Sharon preach? How many of you have ever heard Sharon preach? Yes, I have too. <laughs> okay, that, wow, we better move quickly into the lesson. <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> All right, okay. I made a joke last week, and I thought for sure I was going to be killed afterwards, you know. And so we had our pumpkin spice holiday bazaar, and I asked all the women to forgive me. And they all were laughing and said, it's true. <laughs> I probably won't be laughing at home when I get home. So anyway, moving on rather quickly, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the time we could spend together. Thank you for the blessing, uh, the saints. As I shared earlier, I just really am moved by um, all that the, the brethren have done and continue to do. Uh, to work together so that we can build your kingdom. And uh, I praise you and thank you for that. I know there's, there's, there's a lot of preachers that out there that are doing all sorts of things to kind of, you know, make people like them. And I know that I haven't been that kind of guy very often. Uh, but I love to preach the truth, and the truth is what's going to get us to heaven. So praise you and thank you, Father, for that. So today, help us to realize the power of 
of building trust in the context of the body of Christ. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Would you turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians in chapter 4? No surprise, obviously. But in chapter 4, there's a couple passages that are very important for us to understand the, un the union that we have in Christ. And so in, in chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, we see a part of that union. It says, Therefore I, I, as the prisoner of the Lord, implore you or encourage you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now verse 4, There is one body and one Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. This morning we're going to talk about the one body, the one body of Christ. And I want you to jump down below and take a look at chapter 4. And uh, the passage of scripture there in chapter 4 is verses 15 and 16 about our part in this one body. It says in, in verse 15, But we are speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in all aspects into him, into Christ who is the head, even Christ from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. You know, that scripture comes right after where it says that pastors and, and, and evangelists and teachers are responsible for equipping the saints for the work of service. So how often times we see in churches where there are a million committees and everybody's appointed to a committee and everybody has to do something so the preacher doesn't have to do a whole lot of anything. Well, that really stinks in my mind. I hate committees. How many of you like meetings over and over and over again? I, I can't stand them. So we have chosen not to have committees. Could you imagine at your house, all right, today is Monday, we're having a meeting at one o'clock. Everybody needs to be there. And Tuesday, yes, we have another meeting. We have two meetings on Tuesday, actually, as a family. And can you imagine what kind of family that would be like? I wouldn't want to be a part of that. You're saying, well, wait a minute, isn't that how you get things done? How do you get things done in a family? You talk with each other. You communicate. Someone has the plan, and they work together to fulfill that plan. And you don't have to meeting each other to death to get the plan done. I really love the Pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar. There's a ton of people involved in that behind the scenes. A ton. I mean, everybody who picks up a chair today is going to be a part of that. And you know, it's all about helping people that most of you We'll never meet. Many I've never met before, but I know that they need our help. So it's really a beautiful thing. Now, this morning, I want to talk about building trust once again. There are four pillars to building trust. The first one is your character. Are you a man or woman of integrity based upon the standard of God's word? I remember it was, what, a year ago that we were meeting once a week and we we're talking about integrity. 
and Vaughn and I were working over at a little subway shop, and, and we we're talking about how integrity is so important because then people know who you are. And here's the cool thing. I appreciate you, you uh, calling families out who are really working with their kids. When we were sitting in that subway over by Thurston High School, there were several uh, people that would walk by, and one of them, a couple of them were actually coaches, and they made a statement about Vaughn saying he's really a solid young man. That was so awesome in the context of our Bible study on integrity. It was like, okay, so young man, teach me. <laughs> it was great. Integrity, character, is the first pillar of trust. And so when we make commitments, we need to follow through on them. That's so important. That's building trust. And so the second one is competence. When we make a commitment, the follow-through in regards to doing it well also builds trust. So not just a man of integrity or a woman of, of virtue, but actually following through in fulfilling what you are called to do as a part of the body of Christ or the commitment that you've made to the family of God. But then the next one is important, that you're consistent. You're consistently a, a man of integrity, a woman of virtue, and you consistently deliver. But remember there was one more pillar I said at the very end. You know, anybody can put on a show of integrity and they can, they can be competent in whatever they're doing because they know that their advantage over you depends on it and they have to be consistent if they're going to win the advantage over you. The third or the fourth pillar is your motive. Why are you doing what you're doing? That's so important. Check your motives at the door. As I shared with you before several years ago when we were doing sincerity, when was it? Way back when in 2019. When we were talking about the conscience, uh, a good conscience, and there's so much in there about you evaluating your motives. And man, I'm telling you what, when I started to evaluate my motives, because you know you just do stuff, and then I was thinking, wait a minute, where'd that thought come from? And it gets a little scary when you look at the man or the woman in the mirror and you're very honest. Integrity, competence, consistency, and true, pure motives are what builds integrity. And you know, in any group of people, every decision you make is either going to build trust or destroy trust. It's just that way. In relationships, when you're married, I'll tell you what, please make sure you communicate. Communicate well. Communicate honestly. If you make a mistake, own it. Seek forgiveness so that you can reconcile and move on. All of those build trust. Now, I want to get to today's lesson. Let's look really quickly at point number one. We are all a part of one body. You and I as Christians are a part of the body of Christ. Now, the body of Christ is not a building. The church is not a building. The church is people who have a like belief system in who Jesus is and a response to who Jesus is. Look at Colossians chapter 1. My prayer is, is that you will see Jesus as your Christ, your God. Verse 13 for he, God, rescued us 
from the domain of darkness and he transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, the first to be raised from the dead, never to die again. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Verse 18 now. He is also head of the body, the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. Very first thing we need to do is Jesus has to have first place in your life in everything if we're going to be trustworthy and people then can learn to trust us. When self is first, trust breaks down. Remember I asked the question, would you trust someone who's very arrogant, knows all things and tells you so? and will not listen or is unteachable, would you trust them to follow through? I don't think I would. But what about a person who's humble, a person who's owned their mistakes, a person who is striving to grow and will listen, regardless of their position, will listen to you and your concerns and may even change their mind based upon what you share with them. I don't know about you, but I could trust somebody like that. See, there's a big difference. One is self-driven, one is other-driven. Jesus Christ was other-driven. He lived his life completely for you. And then he died for you. And he now lives for you, and he's coming for you. It's all about you in his mind. Are you going to be a Christian? Very first thing then, is you need to recognize as a part of the body of Christ, you need to put Jesus first. He's the head. Now, take a look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 through 23. A very similar statement is made in Ephesians chapter 1 and uh, the very last couple verses there. Verse 22 and 23. And he, God, put all things in subjection under his feet, that is Christ's feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the body of Christ, the fullness of him, the fullness of Christ, who fills all and all. If you're a Christian this morning, you have the fullness of deity in your body. You have the fullness of Christ in your body. But the question is, are you manifesting his character, his mind, his heart? Because if you do, you'll be absolutely trustworthy. And people will come to trust you. Because it's not about you. It's about Christ first and building his kingdom. Building his family. Now, I hope over the years that you've seen that I've endeavored to build the family and not build my name or build my bank account or build my well, whatever. It's been about building the body and working with individuals to do that. 
My prayer is that's what you've seen. So we could do that together as an example. Building by using what talent, gift, and ability you have to build the kingdom. Now, I know that, that your family, Halsteads, is a servant family. I know that when there's a need, you step up. I've seen it over and over and over and over again in my life and the lives of others. For my family, we decided we're going to strive to give an example of Christ so that we might win people to work to get Bible studies. That's a beautiful thing when Andrew asks for us, pray for these individuals at my work because they desperately need, I want to be the light as he works. As Ryan and as Jacob, who now has a Bible study with his, his supervisor. So our image, our family identity was different, but together we work. I know that every Bible study I have, that you have my back. I know there's a wonderful man named Matt down in New Mexico that I believe he's going to become a brother in Christ. And Matt, if you're listening, I'm excited about the Bible studies we have. It's absolutely amazing. So everybody's doing their part. So brethren, part point number two, leadership is to be concerned about bodybuilding. Concerned about bodybuilding. It's very clear in the scriptures. Go back to Ephesians 4, but we're going to jump a little bit further down. Jesus mandates that the leadership be selfless in building both individuals and groups to serve him in the context of the body. Take a look. Notice what he says in verse 11. And he, Jesus, gave some as apostles and some as prophets, initially to establish the church and the New Testament writings. And he gave some as uh, evangelists and some as pastors or elders and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. I think you all would agree with me that it was no mistake in my laying hands on Jeff Trillinger. No, I gave two weeks for people to bring accusation against him and against Kirk and against Brian. And I will ask you to pray and fast. Those men have been consistently committed to investing themselves in other people. That's been their commitment and their families have joined in that, that work. That's really what this is about. When I have asked Jeff to step up and speak, I don't even have to say, Jeff, I want you to do this or do that. When he steps up, he preaches it straight because he has the same mindset of building, 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 building. Have your sons been the blessed recipients of Mr. D's, well, what is it called? What do you call it? They're a captive audience in your truck going hunting or something? I don't know. Have you been held captive before, gentlemen? Yes, I know you have. And it turned out quite well. You know, what a blessing. And I know he's held captive my sons as well. And, and uh, he's reached out to others. It's great. See, he's that man. He's one of those leaders that is investing themselves in others to help others. That's the beauty of the body as God designed his family, his church. 
What a blessing we have here at Pleasant Hill. Now, you know, we've shared the blessing. Kirk's over there at Alvador, and he's doing a phenomenal job. But I ask you, please pray for his wisdom. He needs wisdom. Because what we did out here, we've built slowly over the years, and people have come in and been taught and have been immersed, and they're growing. That's not how it is over there. The church is filled with people from every different understanding of God's word, and now he's working through slowly to bring people to a right understanding. And I thank God for him. So for an extended period of time, probably till the Lord comes back, we'll share him with Alvador. But they're coming back. They're going to assemble with us starting next week consistently so they can be here. Why? Because they want to build and be built up. I don't know about you, but that's awesome. And so the next scripture really quickly is Colossians chapter 1 and verse 24. This one always gets under my skin. This one gets under my skin because early on in my Christian life, I kind of said, I want to own that scripture. The Apostle Paul really is, is one of my, I want to be like him when I grow up. You know, if you really want to be like Jesus when you grow up, how does his life end? If you really want to be like Paul when you grow up, how did that one end? Or how about Peter? I want to be like Peter when I grow up. How'd that one end? Or James? Or Stephen? They were willing to sacrifice all their lives and then give the ultimate sacrifice so that others might make it to heaven. There's another Bible verse that Paul says that I work hard at, and I wish I could get to this point where it's an absolute perfect statement about me. He says, I would most gladly spend and be expended for your soul. Be expended. Was Paul expended for people's souls? Yes, he was. He spent himself and then was retired. Take a look at this, Colossians. In chapter 1 and verse 24, Paul says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share, my part, on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up that which is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Now, brethren, this is a perfect transition verse. Paul says what? I do my part in filling up that which is lacking in Christ's afflictions. When he says, I do my part, that means he's not doing the whole thing. There's more suffering to be done by the church to win more people. And so we need to have the mindset to understand. You know, it's pretty interesting, and I've said this before, and I know that, that the, the men and the women in the congregation here who have been married and have children know the sacrifice I believe that we are all good-hearted men and women, and we've made sacrifices for our kids. Man, I'll tell you what, the sacrifice sometimes is very painful, but we did it because we wanted them to have as much or more than we had, whether physically or spiritually. Brethren, that's really the mindset of a leader. But it should be the mindset of each member of the body of Christ. I want to give myself 
to build the family. I want to have the very best family. So let's look at the last part. The last part, point number three. Each member of his body has a place and a part. You have a place and you have a part. Take a look. Go to Colossians, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, very familiar passage. I'm just going to point a few things out by way of reminder, like Peter always did that. He liked to point things out by way of reminder. Beginning in verse 12. For even as the body is one, the body of Christ, the church is one, and yet has many members, all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, also as also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. Again, Jeff did a fantastic job this morning. He talked about, and I appreciate this about Jeff, his honesty. He grew up in the Christian church, in the restoration churches. And he was baptized. But he did not realize that you're baptized not just to receive forgiveness of sins, but rather he was baptized to receive the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, which makes a person a Christian. Forgiveness doesn't. He did an excellent job of talking about John's baptism, baptism, repentance. They actually got their sins forgiven in John's baptism, but they did not receive the Holy Spirit. And so it wasn't very long before they were all boogered back up into sin because they didn't understand because it wasn't communicated to them because that wasn't the baptism to bring about salvation. It's being immersed in the name of Jesus Christ to wash away your sins and to be filled with the Spirit. When you were immersed for the right reason, you were filled with the Spirit. You became a part of the body of Christ. Moving on, it says in verse 14, Now the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, and I'm not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would hearing be? If the whole, if the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. I want to stop there for just a minute. The body of Christ, when a person is immersed into Christ, they enter into the body. You have a place and you have a part by God's design. God's design. What is your giftedness? What are your talents? What are your abilities? Have you invested them in serving other people? That really is going to determine how you can build the body. As I've shared before, I'll share again very, very quickly. You know what? If you think you have a gift and you volunteer to share that gift and you're excited about it but nobody else is and we're kind enough not to tell you that we're not, you should read body language, okay? You're saying, well, that's mean. No, you're being concerned about your investment in the body. I had a preacher one time tell me, and it was painful for him to say, he said, it bothers me that people fall asleep when I preach. It bothers me when people have no response to what I share, whether good or in opposition. It's just they... 
and I shared with him that it's important. Are you preaching what people need to hear to grow, or are you just preaching whatever you think is, is good to hear? What do they need? And be passionate about it if that's truly what God says people need. The, and I wasn't being mean when I said that. That was a private conversation. It's heartbreaking when you think about it. That man ended up becoming an excellent administrator in the context of the church. And as I was sharing this morning, I'm glad that Scott enjoys administration. I'm glad that Melissa enjoys administration because I can't stand it. Okay? Just give me another Bible study. So, I don't know how you get a thrill out of that stuff. I really don't. But, I'm glad that you guys do. Okay? I don't. And I, you don't want me to be an administrator. I'll be grumpy. Grumpy administrators are no fun. So, I'm not going to do that. So the beauty of each one using their gift is so important. Now, going back to what he says here now, that God put us in the body just as he wanted us, he goes and he says here in verse uh, 19, if they were all one member, where would, where would the body be? But now that there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the, the head to say to the foot, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Those members of the body which we deem less honorable on those we bestow much more honor and our less presentable members become much more presentable. Whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to the member which lacked, so that there be no division in the body, but that the, that the members may have the same care for one another. I want to stop right there. You know, the number one character quality of glory is compassion. That's number one, by the way, in more than just New Testament lists. That's number one in the Old Testament. You know what compassion is? Having a heartfelt concern for others. Some of us were born with it. Some of us are still working on it. But it says here, the members may have the same care for one another. If one, uh, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. We need to have that mindset. There are churches where people are politically minded. I want that position. I want that accolade. I want that. That he always uses examples that you need to hear. I listened to his sermon when I was not feeling well and he covered for me. And, and uh, man, usually when you're in person, you pin your ears back. But that last sermon was so good. I was listening to it online and my ears were pinned back to my head. I love that guy. I have no envy whatsoever, man. Bring it. It's awesome. I listened to Kirk preach, the preacher over at Alvador. And you know what? That guy's Mr. Steady Eddie, and he can lay things out. And it, almost every time he opens his mouth, he, he teaches me something that I've not heard before. And I go, I've read that a million times, and I've never seen that. What is wrong with me? I'm not envious of that. I'm so thankful for that. 
I'm thankful for those who are willing to step up. It's an awesome thing. When there's a great servant in the church and you want to be a great servant in the church, it's okay to have more than one. It's okay to have a whole bunch. It's okay to have a bunch of teachers. It's okay to have a bunch of preachers. You want to know why? You know what cross training is, right? Hey man, if things start to shake out crazy like, we're going to need more than just me. I don't know if you noticed, but remember what they did to Peter and Paul and Jesus and Stephen and stuff? Hey man, once I'm done and I'm retired, somebody else has got to pick the ball up and run. So that's what we're doing here. Let's close with this. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. We were there a little bit earlier to open the, the lesson, but I want to go back and look at that again. Ephesians 5, or 4, excuse me, chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. We're each to speak the truth in love. The truth hurts if you don't share it in love. We need to do that, each one of us. Speak the truth in love. But it says, and we are to grow up in all aspects into him. We're to grow up into Christ. Your particular giftedness as you mature is going to make the whole body stronger. So that's why you want to find your place and do your part and grow and mature in that. Because then, then the body becomes resilient. I'm trusting you and you're trusting me. We're trusting each other and we're building together. What does the devil want to do? The devil wants to confuse us. The devil wants to divide us so that he can easily destroy us as individuals. That's how he operates. I do not believe that 2020 and 2021, well, it just happens, things happen. There seemed like things were orchestrated, particularly against really a chaos mindset and a confusion in people's mind. A lot of people have shared that with me. Man, I just didn't know what to do. I was really kind of confused. It was just like it was tough. It was for me too. That's what Satan wants. Satan wants to confuse us, divide us, so that he can take us out. But notice we have the spirit of unity, the one spirit, or one body. We need to remember that. And then I am a one of this body and I can give my part so the body is a body of integrity. Brethren, let me, let me communicate at the very end here. It says very clearly in verse 16, Jesus is the head from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies. Every joint move brings the parts together according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the body, the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. My back is very weak. Most backs are weak. You shouldn't use your back muscles to lift. Can I get an amen on that one? What muscles should you use to lift? Yeah, your legs. These big old chunks of meat, right? That's what you're supposed to use. So when I hurt my back here last week when I was lifting 
with my back, my splitter, and it's a 34 ton splitter, not that that's how much it weighs, but that's how much it can bust. Man, I heard this big old pop. I was like this. Ah! And I dropped the splitter. And guess what? Every other part of my body all of a sudden kicked in. All right, we got a problem here. We got to help this guy so he doesn't kill himself. And so I'm telling you what, I won't go into any details, but my hands all of a sudden were very touchy-feely with everything because it was really a bad thing. And you get up in the middle of the night and your, your back is screaming and your hands, once again, are working their magic to move your body. It's, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Hands are kind of, you know, they're out there until all of a sudden you need them. Your elbows. Elbows are great stabilizers, you know. It's crazy. Your body kicks in when one part is hurt. What happens if a body part says, eh, as we read, I'm not important? What happens to the rest of the bodies, body parts? They have to compensate. And they may have to do some things that they're not designed to do, but they'll do it because of body integrity. Do you see how important you individually are? to be a man or woman of integrity and virtue, to be competent and com committed and consistent with the right motives in serving one another? I don't know what the future holds. But as I, as I see, see things roll out, we're going to need each other a lot more. And that's why I'm sharing these things. Not to discourage you, not to scare you, but to help you to go, okay, I want to be a part of this thing. I want to be a part that we stay together and we work together. So if there's a family or an individual has needs, I'm going to rally. I'm going to do my part. We've been doing house churches for a reason. And there's some others who have stepped up and said, hey, I want to open up my home. I think that's wonderful. As I've shared before in Belarus when I first went there back in 2020, there were house churches there. And everybody had their birthdays on Sunday for some reason. And so we would go to someone's house and we'd go at different times of the day because, you know, people don't always have their birthday parties at the same time of every, you know, right? And so, oh, we're going here. Oh, that's wonderful. I've never been there before. And the house would be packed with people and we're celebrating, celebrating the birth of Christ. So thankful for our Savior. It was awesome. So that's why we've been doing this. You're saying, really, you've been doing it for that reason? Absolutely. That's why. A lot of other churches are doing it for other reasons. They call small group, body life, stuff like that. No, I just want to get comfortable and getting together and breaking bread. So it's not weird if that's how we need to do it in the future. So, brethren, let's come together. Let's choose to be men and women of integrity. Jesus is head. He's first place in our lives. And then we can live to serve one another. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, we're so thankful for you allowing us to participate in your family. I'm thankful that you have allowed me to be a member of your family. It's really amazing when we think about how, how much we've grown and how much we still need to grow. But we're thankful that we can participate together. And so I pray in the name of your son, Jesus, you would continue to build our mindset and then help us to practice these things in a very practical way. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen.
All right, we're going to get all excited, but I'm asking if you could help uh, stack the chairs in stacks of four so we can move them quickly. That would be great. All right, what did you say to do? He said to go. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings. King of Kings. All right, look for that email coming up this week. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.